Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. That means you're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood, and uh, we're glad you're doing that. Um, but before we get started, we'll start as we've always done with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, Lord God, you are, I mean, sorry, <laughs> from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes his name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, that was a that was kind of offbeat start, but you know, <laughs> here we go. Only been doing this for not quite a decade, but a long time. But um, but anyway, we're going to be doing today um, based off of something that. Can uh, I tell you a funny story about that? Yeah, go ahead. That you make you feel better about what you did. Yeah. So, Victory Sports. We had Victory Sports basketball yeah. on Saturdays. You can sign up at victoryyouthsports.org to join soccer in the fall or in the in the spring. Um, and so I'm telling, talking to the kids before the start of one of our games about our vir- virtue for this this week, which is justice, and explaining that, and you know, asking them a few questions, talking about the importance of going to mass and um, giving God His due for uh, being our Creator and and giving us this wonderful world and and the life that we have. And then I said, okay, let's pray our pregame prayer from Pope John Paul II. And I said, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless us, O Lord. And I mean, in front of 35 kids and Did they start praying 10 with coaches. No, they just all started laughing. They were just like, what? And I said, oh, boy, okay, sorry about that. Uh, let's just start that over. Yeah, I was doing a little freelancing. Oh, but, uh, boy. But anyway, yeah, that prayer for you who don't know, the one that we always start the show with is uh, St. John Paul II's prayer for families. Yeah, and this um, was his prayer for athletes. Yeah, so the, which the, the, which is a great place. And and, and I don't know if I don't know if uh, if you knew this is again aside before we get started. Um, my my wedding ring is now a third class relic because we didn't even think about it, but um, we were up there. 
uh, when last John, week, last week when when the first class relic of his mm-hmm. of John Paul II's blood was uh, was here at St. Mary's, and you know we had we had um, blessed some rosary. I mean, we had some rosaries that we touched to it, which makes it a third class relic. Mm-hmm. And and uh, while we were up there, Stephanie and I were praying, and um, and the one of the nun, the sisters that was there said, "Why don't y'all touch your rings to the." To the relic, and never thought about it. And uh, so, anyway, wow. it's, a, it's kind of a, a neat thing. I mean, yeah, I, that's I love I love John Paul II. Yeah. So yes, it you was do. it was a um, it was a touching experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Few, few no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I promise, no pun intended. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was touching yeah, because I did touch it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, too funny. Well, so today, uh, after that, maybe asides and a few blunders at the beginning, um, Thaddeus had had put together or had recalled from mass the other day um, or yesterday, I guess. We're yeah. taping it on Monday. Yeah. So Sunday, um, something Father Andrew had, had mentioned with regard to uh, the place to live out the Beatitudes first is in the family. And... Um, he had already found this because you'd already mentioned it, I think. You'd mentioned it before, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, this article um, on Beatitude, the Beatitudes for Families. Yeah. And um, thought that would be a good place to, to start. So and, Yeah, and this is a blog post from teachingcatholickids.com, which is run by OSV, our Sunday visitor. So, so. yeah, so it um, basically goes through the... I guess it's eight, the eight that he that Jesus lists in his mm-hmm. um, beatitudes mm-hmm. called beatitudes because it's blessed, mm-hmm. <laughs> blessed are they who, mm-hmm. um, and that's the beginning of it. So, mm-hmm. um, so did you want me to? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, and, read, and, read, go ahead the, and read the read the section. I guess from from scripture, and then and then we'll we'll go through. Most Catholics are very familiar with these, but it's always good to revisit them and, and hear them um, read before you start talking about them. Yes. So this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and Christ, he saw the crowds, and he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Thus they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. All right. Yeah. So, um, hallelujah. So, as with anything, you know, you can read that and kind of disassociate yourself from that, I think, as oh, that's good teaching. But, but what we, what this article tries to do, and and um, I think what we're going to try to do today is to go through each of them and and see how that can be 
applied or lived or attempted to be lived in in the family um, as you go through each of them, um, because that's really what they're there for. So we're meant to try to strive to live, to be one, you know, uh, someone who's in, who's poor in spirit. Or we all get the chance to be to mourn. I mean, different. Yeah, that's great. I was going to su- suggest that we can probably look at all of them as for how they apply to the parents, how they apply to the children, and also how they, and then what does that look like in that dynamic between the the parents and the children? Right. You know. Yeah. So. Um, since there are eight of them and, and, and I'm usually not at a loss for words, we might not get through, we're, all of them. we're no, we're going to, we're going to do our best to get through them, but that, that means we'd have to go pretty quick. So, uh, the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before we get started on that, I think uh, every one of them has kind of a promise associated with, yeah with what they are. So I think that's really kind of cool. Um, so this one kind of points out who the poor in spirit obviously the literally the poor people are one are, are those um in need of basic success necessities and but then there's also the people who are poor in spirit um because of their spiritual poverty or um people who recognize their need for something more that they're something that they're lacking mm-hmm. which really all of us if we're honest with ourselves <laughs> should be poor in spirit um, with regard, even if we're not poor materially, should be aware of the fact that we're all lacking um, our full surrender to who God is. So how do you see the poor in the family? I mean, um, anytime there's something lacking, peace, or we'll have peacemakers later, but um, peace in the family, typically it's associated with something that's lacking, right? Um, you know, for me and for parents, you know, if you look at, you know, if I look at my wife and, and she's down because she's got so much to do either at work and, and then stuff to get done around the house. And I guess now we're kind of, we're, (laughs) we're kind of just she and I and, and one of our children. Um, so I guess if something's not in order, it's probably my fault. (laughs) So... I'm I'm a cause of her uh, being poor in spirit, so to speak. So I, I think in the family, you know, recognizing that we all need um, something. So to be poor in spirit is to recognize, I think, in others uh, that we need to help fill up what's lacking in their in their um, in their need. Mm-hmm. So that could be something that's pra- practical. I think is just looking out for little things that may cause stress. And if Stephanie's one that things are out of order, um, doesn't bother me. I happen to not recognize it. And, and it causes her to not be f- able to function quite as well as she'd like. And it's caused most of the time, because she's always extraordinarily orderly, <laughs> that, that for me to look at the small things and, and uh, as a husband and wife, to look at the small things that we could do to help um, in order to help help them in their need. Because I think that's, you know, it's kind of funny when you look at these. Sometimes it's like, well, what do you do with that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, you either are or you're not. So what, 
what do you do? You try to get there. And I think maybe part of it is just building an awareness that the part of what's missing, you know, one of the shows that we love to show the, the kids was, you know, the, I think it was called the donut man or whatever. And his whole thing was, you know, he'd have donut holes and he'd say, you know, that hole that's missing in your heart, that emptiness that you feel that doesn't seem to be filled by stuff or things going right. That's just still feels like there's a void there. That's God in that miss. That's our, and recognizing that is, um, is part of being poor in spirit. I believe mm-hmm. I, I, I remember, I remember in college, I, I might have brought this up one time before, that I was feeling down. There was nothing really going on. I was in college and sitting there and, and almost in tears with nothing um, that I could put my finger on as being what, what's causing me to be sad, you know, what's causing this hole. And I was talking to my mom, who I did frequently, and and this is what a good parent does. She she just stopped and she said, "Well, is God asking you anything? I mean, is there anything that you are missing?" And I think part of serving and being poor in spirit is and helping people recognize their poorness um, is to help bring that out of them. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They, mm-hmm. As a parent, she heard that, and I was like, "I don't know why there's this emptiness I feel," and her first comment was, was God asking you, is there something that God wants of you? And I think that's a good thing for a parent to bring up with regard to that. Because we had to serve the poor. So, I mean, as they mentioned here, um, we have to serve the poor, uh, literally poor. So doing stuff for them is, is a way to do it. But, but in the, in the house, serving may be you know what, I'm going to do the dishes even though it's not my turn or <laughs> I'm going to um, clean this up because somebody else would have to do it if I didn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. I, what were you thinking, Thaddeus? Well, I kept wondering about, you know, the blog post, the writer says uh, people who are Figuratively poor people who are aware of their spiritual poverty. So, okay, so we're talking about people or anytime we are spiritually aware, right, that we don't have the spirit that we need. The spirit for a Catholic or Christian is not a vague uh, way, it's not a vague kind of um, liveliness, right? It's a person. Right. It's the Holy Spirit. That when we, anytime we realize that we're poor in the Holy Spirit, that we don't have as much of the Holy Spirit's um, fruits and gifts flowing through us as we should or as we want. Um, so, what would that? How would that translate into family life? I mean, I think as a parent, I think that's a call to. Don't short shrift family prayer. Yeah. Right. Like put that at the center of your life and keep as your children go along and grow and your family evolves because as the children age and you age, you know, maybe prayer right before bed is, is where you start out with, but maybe as their children age and your family changes, you need to be aware of, mm, 
praying at night as a family isn't as good for us anymore. We need to switch that to the morning, or we need to make sure we do that right when mom and dad get home from work and before we start in on dinner so we're fresh and we can you know pour ourselves into it. And then I think, you know, making sure that the sacraments are yeah. are given their proper place in the family. So, you know, especially attending to um, going to confession and going to Mass, certainly on Sunday, but trying to work in Mass for family feast days, Mass for holy, uh, like, name days, Mass for baptismal days. Do, do, does my family do that perfectly? <laughs> By no means, right? But having that on your radar screen, having that in your your thought process of how you plan your family's week, month, quarter, season, year, and I think, and I think you, you bring up a really good point on the on the Holy Spirit side. I think that often, I, and this kind of hit me because I've recently been kind of focusing on calling on the Holy Spirit for myself. But I think the Holy Spirit is kind of left out of a lot of <laughs> a lot of prayers right he's not yeah. he's third person of the trinity god god equally god um with as the person as jesus or god the father mm-hmm. and he lives in us and and is there yeah and part of being christian part of being catholic is an awareness that he's that he's there and typically when we feel that poorness in spirit, I think it's partly calling on the Holy Spirit and being aware that He resides inside of us and desires to speak us, speak to us, and lead us. Mm-hmm. And so, to call on Him as a family, mm-hmm. specifically, um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that's a that's an excellent way. Well, that's a great idea. That. So, um, anyway, we'll move on, <laughs> unless you have anything else. Um, no, I mean, th- of course, but yeah, we, we got to keep we got to right. keep moving too. So number two is blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. That to me is very comforting because there, you know, there's always things we were, you know, we were in Louisiana this a year. Um, tomorrow, the day that this is airing is the day that my my mother in law passed away, and so we were back oh. in Louisiana at the church. Just happened to be at the church where uh, her mother where Stephanie's mom had her funeral. And, um, and so there was, it was definitely, you know, some tears and stuff in terms of, in terms of that. And it was neat to see the, because some friends had come up, friends of her mother and hers to just talk about how much they miss her and love her and to hug her. And that was that the comfort made its way. in. I could see Stephanie who wasn't, Oh, you know, a tear just running down her eyes. This lady was rem- remembering her. So, um, I think that's cool that the promise is if if we mourn, we will be comforted. Um, so, what what this person that wrote the blog is saying is, those who mourn could be anyone who is sad or experiencing a loss of any kind. And Jesus promises to comfort those who suffer. Uh, and when we suffer, we have a choice. We can become bitter or we can become more compassionate to others in pain. And I think that's a really good point as we experience that. So one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible is 2 Corinthians um, 1, if I can get there. I'm a good Catholic. I should be able to get there pretty quick, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and, and I think this kind of points to 
what Jesus is um, saying here, and it's it's Second Corinthians one three uh, through four. It kind of points to this fact that when we go through suffering, we're supposed to know we're going to be comforted, but that's supposed to call us to comfort others. So St. Paul says in the Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And it, it kind of points us to the fact that part of what we, when we're suffering and when we're mourning a loss, that's supposed to actually lead us as we experience the comfort of God, sometimes just through peace and prayer, but also through the, the people who come and say kind words like this friend of my mother-in-law's and friend of Stephanie's, that that should point us to looking for other people who are going through that same suffering so that we can um, comfort them in their sorrow. So when a child is sad, so in a family, you know, especially if they're going through something we've been through, we've gone through a couple of these, not, not too, not in the too distant past, you know, kind of a boyfriend, girlfriend who really care about each other and really nice, but decide it's not really going to lead where they want it to lead and very maturely make a decision to say, we're going to break it off and still, and still be friends. Something I'm, you know, I'm amazed at how well they handled it, but even in the midst of handling it, the sorrow of, of a relationship that is changed um, is something that comes up. So as a parent, particularly when they're going through something which you've experienced before, maybe not as maturely <laughs> as they're going through. Mm-hmm. It's good to, to let them know I, 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 that is something that I can relate to, you know, and God can be there in the midst. I mean, like I remember talking to, to this particular person and just saying, look, I mean, it's good that you're mourning. I mean, there's something wrong with you <laughs> yeah. if it's not bothersome. Yeah, that that a relationship has been done. So, be thinking about how you can apply your own suffering previously as a parent to your child, right? As they, as they go through something, um, it could be as a child making a, an error in a baseball game and they're down. I let the team down or whatever. I mean, I can remember saying, "Look, I've done that too." That's a that's a that's something that you can grow from. I mean, you take it for what it is. It's good to be sorry for making an error, but you have to get up and keep and keep going. Mm-hmm. So comfort them in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their mourning. Um, acknowledge, in many cases, it's the right thing. I mean, I, most cases when they mourn, um, it's good to say, that's good that you're mourning. You should be mourning. <laughs> but you've got to take, from it and then remember it when somebody else makes an error on your team, you know, that you comfort them in their, in their morning. Um, I don't know if you watched the football, you didn't watch the, the Bengals football game yesterday. But no, was, I didn't get to see that either. So, so, you know, at the end of that, you know, the, the sacrifices, Trey, there sacrifices was a one, of, had to be there made. was one of, there was one, it was interesting because my daughter 
one of my daughters called me. I, I, I love the fact that she called me because she was watching a game. And That's she, awesome. And she, said, and she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, what about? And she said, about the game. And I said, well, I'm behind on the game, so can you wait about 15 minutes till I can catch up? <laughs> and, and to be honest, so I didn't cool. know. I didn't know uh, when I called her back, I didn't know what she was wanted to talk about, but she said, I'm really sad. And I said, what about? Well, in that game, a, a player was hustling. And he hit the quarterback out of bounds, pushed, pushed the quarterback. It was a penalty. There's, no, there's nothing. But it moved them into field goal position with eight seconds to go in the game. They, what, they weren't in field goal. That 15-yard penalty. And the, and the player was literally was sobbing on the sideline because it led to the kick that won the, called, game, that for won the, the game for the, for the Chiefs. It was, you know, they wouldn't have been – they would have had to run a play. They couldn't have kicked from where they were, but that 15-yard penalty did it. And and for him sobbing, and she was – you know, she was – Upset for upset. him. Upset. She said, I, I've never even started to choke up because of what was going on in a football game. <laughs> but I saw him crying, mourning, and, and it bothered me, you know, that I felt so bad. And there, you know, all the people – and I saw today where there was a there was a he was being interviewed and asked these tough questions about well why did you do that and all that kind of stuff and and there was a there was a one of his teammates standing next to him and when they would make a, when they would ask a question that was hard you know he would sit there and go hey y'all need to ask a different question that's not appropriate for this right now you know ask a different question and then the the other the thing on Twitter said you know this is a good friend, mm. you know, somebody who's there in their morning. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, it was kind of randomly what I thought, but he was being comforted by his friend who was standing there. He wasn't, he could have just left, let him go through all the tough questions. You know, you cost your team the game. You know, how do you feel about that? Well, he's like, ask another question. How do you think you feel? He's crying right here in front of y'all. So that's what we're supposed to do. So we should, we should be looking as brothers and sisters in a family, as parents in a family, how can we reach out to recognize them in mourning, acknowledge their mourning, and then comfort them in their mourning? Yeah, right. I, th- I think right along with that, I looked up what is the Greek word for mourning that's used there, and it's this word pentheo. And the Greek dictionary I looked up online says that that word refers to manifested grief so severe it takes possession of a person and cannot be hu- cannot be hidden right. and that was definitely the meaning throughout in the ancient world and when i read that definition what i first thought about was my little 3 year old girl who when she you know gets told no or do- something doesn't work out the way that she wants it to i mean that <laughs> That is taking over her life. There's nothing else that matters or is in her mind in that moment than that disappointment or that refusal. And, you know, too often I get, um, I get a little bit, not a little bit, I mean, I get exasperated or I get put out or I just want to, you know, put her in her place or, explain more why it can't be the way that it that she, she wants, wants it to, to be. be. And uh, 
You know, I'm being called to try to find a way to to comfort her. So so just that idea of maybe maybe comforting when it's something that is disappointing her and I'm not responsible for that and just being with, in that moment with her right. more or when it is when I am the cause of her grief um you know, maybe finding a way to deliver the news right in a softer or in another way so that I can try to try to comfort her. And I think, I think partly uh, that's, anyway, that's what I was thinking about. Well, I think it's, that's, that's great. The, what I, what you made me think of is sometimes words don't suffice. There's nothing you can do to, to do it, to, to bring the morning to a close, right? Um, I learned that from from a guy I used to work. I mean, I used to work with, but at the time I didn't. When my mother died, and he showed up at our at her funeral, and he didn't say anything other than "I'm sorry for the loss," shook her hand, and he was there. And I learned from that because I was always afraid. Like, well, what am I going to say when somebody's mourning the loss of somebody that they're so close to? And I and I thought back to a girlfriend whose dad I wasn't a girlfriend a boyfriend at the time, but I was close enough. And her dad died unexpectedly, and I didn't go because I was like, "What am I going to do?" And I learned from that that sometimes comforting somebody in mourning is just your presence, not with any words, just "I'm here." You know, you mm-hmm. cry, whatever you want. So mm-hmm. we need to you know, have that compassion. I mean, right. Compassion, the word to suffer with, Yeah. to just suffer with them. Sometimes you don't need a word. You just need to, you don't need to explain it away. You don't need to say, well, you'll get over it. You just need to be there and let them cry. Let them go through it. Let them go through it, but you're with them. Yep. That's, that's having compassion. So, um, so teaching that to your kids. So when, because everybody, every child's going to have a moment or, 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 a hundred moments in their, in their time in a family right. where something doesn't work out the way they have it and, and teaching your kids, you don't have to say anything. Yeah. You just need to say, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I, right. And that's what, that's what our lady and St. John did right at the cross. Like there's right. no words reported from them in that moment. And I can't imagine them being many words, uh, you know, they might've said, I love you or, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> if they said anything, you know, John was recorded. just there with, with our lady. But to just be there is a form of comfort. And to then feel like you're not alone. Christ blessed him, right? right? For him being there. He was there. And so I think that's that we just need to teach our children and and show compassion that sometimes we're not trying to explain away or you you know just get over it, which is sometimes the the temptation. <laughs> um and just be there and not try and to And there are it times out. when when it when may. that's appropriate too, when that right. lesson it it, it, needs to be right, you know, made to them of certainly okay, got to move. Okay, you you're making a you know a, a mountain out of a molehill. Mole you know that that right. lesson. We all need that lesson too. But to recognize in mourning and a loss. Yes, yes. So and and then be responsive to them and call on your your previous times of mourning as kind of a source of, well, as John says, I'm as a Saint Paul said, of oh I've been there. Maybe I haven't been there, but I, I recognize that. My friend showed me that just being there is enough. You don't have to have an answer. <laughs> so anyway, 
I think that's a good thing to have and to teach uh, compassion in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, unless you have anything else. No. <laughs> uh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Um, the meek, um, as this person points out, are, the, are those who are humble and patient. A person who chooses other ways to resolve conflicts without resorting to violence is meek. Uh, it says here the reward is great wealth. Uh, and it points to, you know, how do we resolve conflicts? And and that's, I think that's something that as parents we can really help our children with. I've always learned it's really easy to point fingers at somebody else, right, in a, in a conflict resolution type of thing. It's, it's, it's not the best way, but it's kind of the most natural way. Well, you know, it's because you did this that we're in this problem or point fingers when, in fact, a meek person would say, I probably had something to do with it. And to be the example of that, I, you know, in my best moments, when I've been honest with myself, when we've had a problem in the family as the father, you know, I've learned if there's a problem in the household, there's something <laughs> that I have, I have a part in it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it could be, I haven't prayed like I ought to for this person or for this situation and to be humble enough to kind of look at ourselves instead of looking outward and saying, well, it's your fault. Um, I think that's part of being meek. Um, it, it doesn't mean the other person doesn't have anything, but to, but meek, I think is saying I'm humble enough to know there's something I could have done in the circumstance that we're in with my wife or whomever, and I need to work on myself. So kind of pointing myself back, you know, I, you know, I've always heard the, when anytime you point a finger at somebody else, there's three fingers pointing back at yourself and kind of keeping that, mm-hmm. keeping that, uh, mentality mm-hmm. of meekness. Yeah. It's the lexicon here says that the Greek word is about, um, demonstrating power without undue harshness. So I think about sort of similarly along your lines of our parenting, um, making sure that we're using our authority as parents with, with justice, with mercy, with that appropriate both and of justice and mercy. They're two sides of the same coin. Um, not, not doing things to um, inflate our own egos, not doing, not insisting on things because just because that's what I said, or that's what I, what I want, or that's what's most convenient for me, but really doing it for the good of the other people in the household, right? Really uh, disciplining, uh, giving out, you know, providing uh, love, providing material needs, all doing right. doing all of that in mind of what is good for this child, what is best for this child. And that might not always mean exactly equal justice, but it's but it's unique love, unique love for every child. Right. I think that's great. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, to press on, I think that I think that's really a good point. Ble- number four: Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And the 
blog says the the blessing is for people who hunger for justice in our world. Children have a great capacity to see wrongs and often possess a ver- a, a simple view of complex issues. Perhaps our kids can use their creativity to solve some of the local injustices in schools and communities. Is what this is what this says. When I'm when I'm ju- what righteousness did you did you happen to look up that word? I, I hadn't I yet. I was know. hoping for you. No. To- <laughs> But righteousness, I think, has to do with justice, right? And justice is giving the other what is due to them, mm-hmm. right? Not not in not necessarily in the horses. That could be um, obedience is due to us as a parent. That would be that. So people are, who are seeking to be um, obedient, justice can be, um, you know, this was a wrong done, and this is how we. Fix it. You, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what what needs to be done to to make this right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I guess the Greek term is about um, what is deemed right by the Lord uh-huh. is um, you know what is approved in His eyes. That's that's so wanting to do the Lord's will, right? Wanting to do wanting to follow God's plan wanting to right. follow God's commands and so if we man like desire can I say that I hunger and thirst for following God's plan God, God's yeah. will God's <laughs> law um, yeah, no yeah, if yeah. I can say I don't know if I honestly I can say that about myself so maybe that's what I need to be striving for in my own life and and that's going to but make me a better parent and make me a better husband. The the prom the promise at the end is for they will be satisfied. So I always look for prayers that that uh, that I know are going to be answered. Right. <laughs> so if you if you pray to to uh, to have this hunger and thirst for what God's will is in your life, mm-hmm. you're going to be satisfied. It's going to be answered with a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so teaching our kids to just we have to be just. And merciful at the at the same time. Um, interestingly, that segues right into number five. Yeah, and just one other word, and kind of along what you just said of us learning as the parents, and also doing an exa- an example of our prayer as a family of praying for God's will to be done in this situation, God's will to be done in that situation. May God's will be done, and and really talking about like if you know of a family member who is very sick yes of course it's proper to ask for God to heal that person but also to talk about what does it mean kids for us to really accept God's will in this situation right what does that look like in this situation yeah and uh, I mean when you said that it, it reminded me mother was my mother was dying I came by here to pray on the way she died that day and I stopped to pray, even though my dad said, hurry up and get over here. And I said, well, God can keep her alive. Mm-hmm. And I ran into Monica Ashour, who was working here. And I remember her prayer being, because she prayed with me while I was here, just happened to be in there. And and her prayer was, God, you know, Lord, what whatever your will is in this, please do it and grant trade the gift to, to be able to accept it. Well, yeah. So mom passed away later that day, and I ran into her, and her first comment was, well, we know we prayed for God's will, and this is obviously what he wanted at at that point, which 
sounds like that'd be harsh, but at the same time, there was a certain level of comfort because I had talked with her before and sure. she had prayed with me before and and did that. So anyway, I think that's um, righteousness. I, I, I think that it's not interesting, but kind of the way it works is that's kind of to do with with justice. The next one is blessed are the merciful, merciful. Yeah. for they will be shown mercy. Um, she mentions that mercy, you know, means forgiveness, kindness, compassion. Um, what does she say? It's easier to extend mercy to others when you begin with yourself. In our family, rather than keeping track of mistakes, we try to see God's grace among us with mercy received back the more you give. Mercy, the definition I like, is is love or the gift of oneself in the face of suffering, you know, in the face of a lack. Mm-hmm. To Mercy is something to fill the void, to be there. So similar to earlier, to be there in the midst of somebody who's lacking something, a loss of family member, things not working out, and being there with them in that. To be merciful is to love, to give oneself in the midst of somebody else's for their sake, right? It's it's the attribute of, of God, really. Mm-hmm. He is the God of mercies. Mm-hmm. So, I, I see that especially at work in the marriage relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, not counting not counting coup, not keeping score, really forgiving one another. Right. Sometimes, some some marriages, we have more, uh, there's more heavier things that have to be forgiven and, and worked through. But gosh, we really all have to work on really forgiving our spouses. Right. And, 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 and that is, you know, and that's teaching your kids, you know, lots of times they would be angry with something that they'd been offended been asked for forgiveness and had a hard time doing it. And that's, and, and I found this to be true. And I think it is true to forgive is not necessarily to forget, but it's to say, I, everything that I am holding, I'm giving, giving that up for, for you. And that always helps you to move forward. It, when you're holding on to something, a grudge or whatever, it's hard to move forward. And, and I always used to tell the kids, you know, forgive them because that it really impacts you more to hold on to something yeah. instead of just yeah. instead of just letting it go. Yeah. So, it, uh, it, I mean, it's it's killing that fatted calf. It's putting the ring on the finger. It's putting the robe on the shoulders. I mean, that's what you're being called to do. That's what forgiveness is, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and there's another great one. The 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 prodigal son coming back and the way the father receives. So the equivalent of what, you know, the equivalent of what does that look like for our spouse if we need to forgive our spouse or if our children or our children need to forgive us for something. Right. That level of. And I think that's important. We need to ask for forgiveness even from our children, mm-hmm. maybe even especially from our children, our spouses too, mm-hmm. when we when we are not um Living up to that. Quick story. Yeah, we watched "It's a Wonderful Life" last night no because way. Anna Claire wanted to watch it again because she got to see it for the first time over Christmas. So for her birthday, which was last week, anyway, that's what she asked for. So we watched it, and 
I told him at Christmas time, and I said again last night, I said you know, that that scene where George comes home from the money having been lost, and he just is terrible. He's terrible to his wife, his children. He's so angry. And I just I watch that scene, and every time I watch that scene, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Every time I lose my patience, every time I lose my temper with my yep. kids, I, I hate how that looks. Right. And I know that I sound that way sometimes. Yep, me too. And I hate it. Right. And so I just I ask them for forgiveness every time I watch that scene. Yeah. No, And I think it, it's important for our kids to see it. They need to see that, that, um, that mercy asking for mercy from somebody else not because because a lot of people think with power i don't have to ask for it well i mean as an authority we should ask for forgiveness. and i'm talking about specifically that scene is great on me because it's they're not doing they're being perfectly wonderful good children and he is just being terrible because he's got it's what he's going through right and i know there have been times where i have been 100 more harsh or short or curt because of what I'm going through, not right. because of what they're doing. Right. And so when you step back from that, like you just, like you did, I think it's really important to explain that to your children. This is, I'm not making an excuse. What I'm saying is right. you need to be aware of it. And that's being, you need to be aware of it um, in your own life when something else is, is impacting the way you treat other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, I seven think, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> course uh number six blessed are the clean of heart for they will see god and um i I mean what that should we should all be striving to be clean of heart and uh, confession is what i think of when i think of that going going to confession and we should be going regularly i mean i know y'all do this but i now that the kids are gone typically when they come home the way I introduce it is, hey, I'm going to go to confession at this time. They're twenty, you know, in their twenties. You want to come? You know, mm. and when they're younger, it it's more we're likely going. we're going to go. But as they get older, you want them um, to do that, and and that's because we do want to see God, because that really is the beatific vision, right? We we is when we see God face to face, that's going to be in heaven. And that's what we're seeking for. So did you have anything? No, I think that's that's good. Um, Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Um, I like the question they start off with, what risk do we take to make peace? Jesus Jesus asks all of us uh, to be peacemakers, I'm reading. We are, after all, children of God. And as his children, we must continue to work for unity and understanding. Our families are microcosms of the world which we learn peacemaking skills. So peace begins at home. So what, you know, peace, peace is not something that is putting something under the rug, right? Peace is something that acknowledges factually what the concrete issue is and then deals with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and peace is something that we have to ask for because God is the Holy spirit. Again, is the the source of peace. And so, we have to ask for it, but it's always truth and grace together that lead to peace. Jesus, who is the King of Peace, right, mm-hmm. is the source of truth and grace. So we have to be willing to say the truth. This is the issue, but grace is 
this is how we're going to deal with it. One of it, we're going to, we're going to continue to love each other, even in the face of this wrong or whatever. That's yeah. great. I mean, that fits really interestingly with, from the, the lexicon, it, it, first of all, it points out this word peacemaker, Irene Poyos, Irene, Irene Poyos, Irene Poyos. It's the only time it's used in oh, the really? Bible oh, is wow. in Matthew 5, 9, right here. Wow. And it says, properly a peacemaker bravely declares God's terms which make someone whole. Wow. Yeah. So there's some... some. So God is a God of truth, but thank God he's a God of grace, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to be a family that is not afraid of the truth because mm-hmm. that that's how we fix things mm-hmm. but we have to we have to also show god's grace as mm-hmm. well we we tend to think of peacemaker peace we tend to think of that as absence of conflict right and what this is saying is no it's the presence of wholeness it's the pl- it's the presence of in- integrity it's the presence of unity right, right. with with god that, right. that we're living and acting and thinking and seeing according to to God because we've been made whole by knowing what his his law and having that relationship with him right right and that that's where so peace that comes brings from. us peace it makes peace right and that's where we that goes counter to what we think of as peace because we always want to put what God wants what his will is there and so that's not something we shirk from pointing out but also that he is a God of mercy a God of forgiveness some some that that all can come together inside of us. So, uh, and the last one, short period of time, blessed are uh, they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And I think it's important to help our kids know that if we're going to be Christian in this world and we're going to do all the first seven, right, if we're going to be willing to put God's will first and not be afraid to, for justice sake, to be able to put it out there, in a loving way, truth speaking the truth in love, as St. Paul will say, um, that we have to be aware of the fact that that's sometimes going to bring back persecution. People aren't going to necessarily like it. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the, the apostles, when they would be persecuted for delivering the truth uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, they would— be joyful in what they received is that now that's again contrary you got to have god's holy spirit inside of us to actually do that because that's so contrary to what i think the human the the human in its fallen nature is i don't i don't want to cause a problem i don't want to bring up this issue i don't want to do whatever uh to cause a conflict right and when in fact the right thing to do is to is to do it and be willing to receive the persecution that comes back as a result of it. But to tell our kids to be Christian is not easy, right? I mean, to be a Christian is is somebody who's willing to stand up for who God is and what he wants in the face of a world that doesn't necessarily want that. Yeah, and I think real quickly in the family, sometimes it means as a parent uh, facing the recrimination or complaints of our children when we have to 100%. lay down the law. We yes. still got to do it. Yes, but anyway, hopefully that was helpful. Um, 
God bless you guys. Always remember, only God can take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He will, always does. God bless you all. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. See you.